0: Welcome to Well Good Movies, the podcast that gives you the movies well worth watching, even if there are some duds along the way. Combining questions, trivia and games, every episode we're challenged to watch a piece of film history to decide whether it deserves to be remembered for all time in our movie vault. With every film chosen in our previous episode, it's the perfect way to watch and discuss along at home. But don't just take my word for it. Here's a snippet of
1: what to expect in today's episode. The man is a living meme. He is, like, he's there's no the British, other way to describe
0: it. He's the British Nicolas Cage. <laughs> I'm
1: not going that far. <laughs> He'll
0: appear in anything sort of thing. <laughs> oh, God. can really I na-
2: Jones and Cage in a film. I know. I want that now. now. I just want that. <laughs> that version of face-off would be insane. <laughs> All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Are you not entertained? I Call me Mr. Tips. And beyond. Oh hi Mark. Well Good
1: Movies.
0: Hello and welcome to Well Good Movies, the podcast that gives you the movies well worth watching, even if there are some duds along the way. I'm your host, David Oscar, and I'm joined by my geezer, craig mcdonald hello craig don't mention the euphemism
1: <laughs> also what i'm your what Gazer.
0: From- <laughs> i'm not from london we'll go to our guests later in the in the actual lingo how we should say it maybe
1: jesus you make it sound like you like the male gaze <laughs> just <laughs> gazer.
0: <laughs> it's an anime character you know you're into dragon ball don't even try that <laughs> So uh, as we alluded to there, Craig, we talk about movies well worth watching, despite duds along the way. Uh, So just to tease the people at home, do you think today's movie
1: is a dud or well worth watching? I mean, the honest answer is, and I still have not fully, I don't think it's, it's definitely not dud. I need, I need convincing on elements of this film because I'm, I'm mortally confused at times. Okay, I think we definitely got
0: the people on board to convince you, Um, so I think there will be some disagreements, definitely. Definitely got some uh, very suspicious looking faces on, on the recording right now. So uh, yeah, it's all going to be quite fun, guys. Um, but we'll get on to that soon, but first of all, we just want to catch up on how we came to where we are now. Our previous episode, we chose this film, so Craig, can you just recap us on what happened last time, how we ended up choosing the film we're talking about today, and uh, what happened in that end game,
1: yeah. So in the end, this was a choice by our last uh, our last guest and end game winner Laura. Uh, she was given the choice of uh, three potential options. Uh, she, in my opinion, obviously went for her own and basically just described that uh, because last episode we looked at uh, Sherlock Holmes uh, by Guy Ritchie. She wanted to look at one of his more classic, iconic films that's very much impit- uh, and epitomizes his style, but also his his writing. Because obviously, uh, because Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes wasn't written by him in a majority capacity, or at all. Um, so basically, wanted to look at the his true style of filmmaking and sort of his true sort of background and the characters he works best with. So, which led us to Snatch. Don't men- mention the euphemism. <laughs>
0: Right. Well, um, we look forward to discussing Snatch today. And yeah, we definitely got some great guests on board to uh, be undertaking that task of deciding whether it should go into the movie vault, which is our vault of movies that celebrates films for all time. So uh, let's get to our guests, which once again, Craig, are brand new guests to Well Good Movies and some of them first to uh, podcasting as well, which is very exciting. So, and
1: first Londoners. Yeah,
0: I'll uh, ask them if they, how they rate my accent maybe. <laughs> so uh, first of all, we have Reese Beaumont. He is a YouTuber and film reviewer. Hello, Reese. How are we doing, guys? Doing good. Good. So yeah, w- was it terrible in my London accent?
3: <laughs> it wasn't the best, but I've heard much worse, I can tell you that for sure.
0: There's a few, fair few like Hollywood film, like Brit- British Hollywood films, which, yeah, do the kind of yeah, bad Cockney accent.
3: Yeah, the Americans are not too good at the old London accent, to be perfectly honest.
0: Dick Van Dyke's saw Levels, but I think that has yeah. a charm to it. <laughs> so, um,
3: Cheat or Ocean's Eleven.
0: Uh, yeah, that's, that's probably a more relevant example to what we're talking about today, to be fair.
3: So, what we're going to be talking about today, it's definitely on the line for sure.
0: So um Reese, as I mentioned there, you got a YouTube channel which is uh, Rios Positive P O V. Um you're also big on Twitter. You got you know obviously a lot of the like film journalists, big film community on there, everyone's sort of chatting. Um our fellow, uh, other guests today you've sort of met before and you know, I I saw you through Twitter. So uh just talk us through, you know, like w- what what your YouTube channel is all about and um what you try to achieve on on the socials and on the channel.
3: Yeah, certainly. So Twitter was kind of a secondary thing to promote the YouTube channel. And in all honesty, I spend more time on Twitter than kind of focusing on the YouTube channel. Reason being is Twitter's just a lot more a lot more fun, a lot more discussions, and just a bit more of a community type of thing. YouTube's good, it's it's nice to review movies. Um I started doing it in January 2020. Um my channel is called Rio's Positive POV and a lot of the cinema stuff I've seen in the last two years there's not too much positive to take from it. So I have not been reviewing that many movies over the last couple of months and um, just trying to focus on the stuff that I enjoy more so than the negative stuff. My most viewed video is where I'm absolutely slating a film for six minutes and that's just not really kind of what I, what I wanted to do in the first place. So mainly focusing on Twitter at the moment and just kind of speaking to a lot of people Um networking with different people from different places like you guys
0: yeah we're happy to uh have you on and uh yeah i think you're, you're definitely right with the twitter stuff I, I suppose that's kind of why YouTubers take taken the comments even lower down on his page isn't it because that is just usually a lot of people make jokes about like what well, a terrible place the youtube comments are but you do get that more actual discussion on places like Twitter. It's more of a community, so Twitter is more the kind of place to actually interact with people and that kind of stuff. One uh, part of your sort of career and everything, which I was like really interested in as well, is that you've actually done like acting yourself. There's been, I know Craig will kind of like sympathise. He's had his like fair bit of like extra work and that kind of stuff. So the one that stood out to me when you put it on Twitter, I was like, oh my god, you're that guy. So I, I don't know, Craig, do you recognize Reese from like any specific advert from use What's the, is it like 2008, something
3: like that? 2008 is when the advert came out, yeah.
1: Okay. Nothing's coming to me immediately.
3: Basically what it was, it was in a, a Crunchy Nut advert where I'm standing at a bus stop with a pair of headphones in with some music that they added on in ADR, which I definitely weren't listening to when, when filming the, um, the advert. And basically a lady starts eating, crunching nut out of my hood at a bus stop with a bus pass. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and that is, so I've done a few little adverts here or there, but that is definitely the one which kind of took off the most. And there uh, some strange interactions in public for just being in a 30 second advert, which is pretty insane.
0: Well, you never know. D- depending on whichever career route for you shoots off, it might be like Shang-Chi, isn't it? When he has the pictures and he's there like in the, the generic corporate images that they take and like, oh my God, he, st- he started with that, et cetera. So that, that yeah, was no, there's much.
3: definitely um, some weird kind of experiences that people have had with kind of just bursting onto the scene. Um, you just look at Adam Driver. He was in with the Marines. He were not working on no movies at all when he came out. He's probably about my age, about 30, and then started acting again. So it's, you never really know with that kind of business, right place at the right time um my favorite program at the moment euphoria the one of the main characters there got noticed working in a chicken shop so you you just you you never know with with the movie business where your chance is going to come if it is going to come i'm very happy to be um not acting at the moment but if a good opportunity came again i probably would say yes to be perfectly honest
0: yeah well we look forward to uh talking about movies with you today reese uh, we go now on to our second guest. He is a writer and film journalist, Paul Klein. Hello, Paul. Hello. How are we doing? We're doing good. You had uh, you had your eyes like wide open there when uh, Reese said... No, I remember advert. that advert.
2: I remember that advert. I was in secondary school and we actually tried to see if it would work if you put cereal in a hood and we just destroyed somebody's hood <laughs> unrealistic advert guys
1: i feel like this is the first time we've ever had guests where one has had a negative impact on someone else on the other's life
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh no it wasn't my hoodie so like I it's fine we were just like would it work could you use a hood as a bowl and then use a card to eat it and we were like no you can't
0: this is the ideal time to know We were like,
2: using crunchy nut though. we were using we were using weetos, so maybe that was a uh, mistake. Oh,
1: yeah, that was the problem. It just absorbs <laughs> all of it.
3: Yeah, you need the right, you need definitely need the right jacket material to do it. You can't be doing it in no cotton hoodies, that's for sure. You need to be like Um, starved
1: for like five days.
3: (laughs) Exactly that.
0: So, um, Paul, uh, as I mentioned there, you are a writer. Um, So tell us about some of the publications you work for, what, what you've been writing. I know recently you've put up a list of Michael Bay <laughs> ranking films that that's always fun
2: yeah um so I'm the film and media editor at no majesty online I'm the co-features editor at film hounds magazine I've written for several other places hero collector gaily dreadful film cred I'm forgetting which ones I've written for I've written for a lot of places generally about the horror genre which is weird because I was late to the horror genre but yeah I write about anything that interests me really and um, something I could definitely
0: relate to what you said on Twitter earlier was um, you were saying about growing up, the best thing about getting sick was laying on the sofa and watching Simpsons on VHS. And that just sort <laughs> of took me back. I was just like, oh, what a feel that is, you know, especially on the show. We have VHS Corner, you know, we we here, you know, collectors, you know, Blu-rays and all that kind of stuff. So I was just intrigued as to because we were talking previously about, experiences at the cinema and that kind of stuff so and obviously as you said with your job you were watching then a lot of stuff through streaming and shutter and that kind of stuff so so what what do you think about watching movies at home you know whether it
2: be in the early days of VHS to to now well funny enough I've written about it quite a lot actually in the pandemic when you know a lot of people don't like you know especially filmmakers don't like the multi-platform distribution I tend to think it's kind of the future that if you release it on all platforms at once, then those who want to sit at home on their phones talking and watching a film can do that and also, you know, benefits people with additional needs or disabilities and people who want to go to the cinema can go to the cinema. I think it's it kind of benefits everyone and I don't think that it's detrimental with well, fact, the fact that Dune I mean, I know we don't have HBO Max here, but The fact that in America, which is a bigger country than than in the United Kingdom, they could watch it on HBO Max or they could go to the cinema and it made enough money that we're getting Dune Part 2 says that releasing it on both places at once is probably not a bad idea. And, you know, Wonder Woman 84, whatever people thought of it, I liked it. People went to go see that in the cinema, but it was also like the highest watched stream thing for like three months so generally I think if people want to watch at home because they've got you know additional needs then maybe be going to the cinema is a bit of an issue which I think people forget as well that not just in the pandemic people get sick quite easily but if you're in a wheelchair the wheelchair places aren't great in, in cinemas I went to cinema for nearly 10 years wheelchair accessibility is not great the induction loops aren't great subtitled showings aren't frequent really it can be a bit of a hassle if you've got you know attention deficit issues or your kid does that can be an issue so i think it benefits everyone if it's released on all places at once and then those who want to go to the cinema like myself i don't have to put up with people talking during a quiet place part two where i can't hear the dialogue clue
0: in a quiet place part two that's what people should be doing <laughs> keeping <it> quiet
2: <laughs> exactly i uh, it that honestly that was like the first film I saw back in cinemas when they opened and I was like I remember why I preferred at home now
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah no I I think it's definitely true that uh, attitudes have changed in that way and it is surprising because again I mentioned earlier like Shang-Chi at at the time I was like oh you know they're crazy to only give it like 45 days between it coming out but to be fair by the time it came I was like it does actually feel like ages since it was out in the cinema so it shows that that kind of is narrowing as well that time even if it's you know, it goes on to stream in more quickly.
2: The thing with, with like DVDs, VHS, stuff like that, is that a cinema lifespan is like a fraction of how long a film lasts. Like, you know, I was born in 1994. Jurassic Park's one of my favourite films. That came out the year before I was born. I've only ever really seen that on VHS and DVD. And, you know, people rediscover films on television and through streaming services. So I don't really buy into the whole cinema the only way to see a film. It can be fun though, because I remember I saw Spider Man the day it opened, and that was that was a fun experience. But generally, I like to be on my own in silence.
0: As we usually do here, before we go on to our main discussion of the film, we just want to uh, ask some questions that are going to be based on you guys as film fans and sort of linked to the type of themes we're going to be talking about today so we now go to our questions of the week so our big question this week is what do you think is the cream of the crop when it comes to british cinema so i guess with this maybe we're thinking kind of crime gangster films considering the film that we're talking about today uh reese where do you go on this
3: a Sexy Beast is, for me, the cream of the crop when it comes to kind of English gangster movies, um, and Snatch is is up there as well. Um, I know Craig was saying at the start, you can have some questions about Snatch. I absolutely love that film. I For me, it's the most quotable movie that I quote too much. I won't quote too many on here because there's a lot of swearing and stuff involved in them, but with me and my mates throughout the years, it's definitely been one of the most... Um, Quotable movies for sure. Guy Ritchie, when he kind of delves into that London stuff, is great. Um, And then more kind of uh, Kid Othood, which is a completely different type of of London movie. Um, I think there's a lot of... There's not enough of them, to be honest, that really show actual London of of what it's really like. I think especially um, people from America and stuff, they've got this idea of what what London's like. And don't get me wrong, central London in parts is, is lovely. You can go down there and it all looks very nice. But there are other parts of London which are not so nice. And um, movies like that seem to shine a light on that. So I like those kind of movies. But there's definitely not enough of them um, happening at the moment for sure. But Sexy Beast is 100% my favourite kind of English gangster movie. And I do have a soft spot for the Rise of the Foot Soldier movies. Even though I know they are absolutely awful. So I'm aware they're terrible, but they are definitely on my pile of movies that are terrible that I love.
0: We were to, uh, Aside from that choice, but we were talking previously about like it seems like there was that big heyday of like things like this is England, etc. Which more British cinema seem to be coming out. But I don't know. I don't know if it's because of streaming or cinemas, but I just don't feel like there's as big a British cinema
3: no, of films anymore. No, that that's hundred percent right. This is England definitely shined a light on a different side of England because again, a lot of the stuff is predominantly in London. Um and it, it's it's crazy. England's a big place. Um, if loads of people knew kind of what the other places in, in England were like. Some some great places I've been pretty much all over the UK and, and had some great times in different places and definitely different types of places with different types of people. Um London is completely different to say Newcastle Liverpool or Leeds its definitely a different kind of vibe. Um, for for me with the English cinema I think a lot of the English filmmakers are just going to America and making American movies. Um you look at Promising Young Woman uh, that movie there could have easily been made at an English university um and the the director who made it is English the the star was English it could have worked as a, as a movie in England but they decided to go and and make it in America, And I think a lot of directors, especially actors, you look at amount of people that are nominated for Oscars this year, a lot of them are English, but they're just working in America um, because they want to make those type of movies and get paid that type of money.
0: Yeah. I was thinking that recently with actors and stuff as well is, you know, we just don't have probably the acting time because they're all going there and playing Americans. What was I think, is it the Those Who Wish Me Dead? Is that that Angelina Jolie film that came out um, last year? I was watching that and um, it's like Nicholas Holt playing an American, uh, the guy who's like Lil Finger from Game of Thrones playing like an American. I was like, what is with, you know, like it's obviously a common thing. And we, you know, Tom Holland shows that we can do American accents pretty well. Um, but it's just bizarre when you're actually watching like an American movie and it's like five Americans in the room but like majority of them are actually British.
3: Yeah I think a lot of people the amount of times I've seen on Twitter someone saying I can't believe that person's British and it's like well have you never listened to an interview with that Mm. that person before Um, but one of the problems as well is there's just not enough money being put into films in England. Film 4 and stuff are putting a little bit of money but there's just so many reality tv programs on bbc itv channel 4 that's predominantly where these they're putting all their money into they're paying these instagram models hundreds of thousands of pounds to go sit on an island um, and they're just not putting money into original content tv programs broad church stuff like that is fantastic but it's just not enough not enough being written and not enough being funded so i fully understand why a lot of these english actors who need to pay bills are going over to America.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Bring back the like BBC films, like you said, uh, film for originals. Uh, Paul, do you have a a choice for for this one or anything to add on, on that question?
2: Um, Well, like for British crime movie, see the one that I think is the best is probably Long Good Friday from like, I think it's 79 with Bob Hoskins. That's a great film, but my actual favorite, if I had to put one on now would probably be the remake of the Sweeney with Ray Winston is crap, but I really like it. I don't don't know what it is. I just think it's... I think because it's trying to be, like, heat, but in London. And I think, like, London is... To try... Like, some cities in America, you can do big crime action films. And London is a really claustrophobic city. And people keep trying to do action films in it. And it's like, you'd get... Maybe a foot before you hit gridlock, you would you would never have a car chase in London. So I, I I do find that film I find the Sweeney funny. I like I enjoy it. I think it's kind of over the top in all the right ways. But as you were saying about the British film industry, it's crazy because we've kind of gone backwards. Because like in the in the eighties, there was no British film industry unless you were making a tiny budget independent film. Or you were making a James Bond film, or you were making, or you were Lord Attenborough making prestige historical films. And then in the 90s, once Thatcher was out, people kind of started putting stuff back into the movies. We kind of got a crop of talent, which were directors who were late teens, early 20s, in the 80s, watching American movies, being influenced by the American cinema. And then bringing that to Britain, and you got like Guy Ritchie's a prime example of someone who clearly was like, "I want to do what Scorsese does, but in London." And Danny Boyle's another one who sort of does it all over the United Kingdom. But you watch like *Shallow Grave*, that is very clearly influenced by Scorsese's use of music. You got a lot of the Cohen brothers in the stuff that uh, Danny Boyle does. There's like a lot of black humour in Danny Boyle's work. You know, the bit where uh, Ewan McGregor crawls into the toilet is hilarious in Train Spotting, but it's also kind of horrific. And Guy Ritchie's one where you can clearly see that he watched Scorsese movies, he watched like Godfather, you know, he watched Tarantino movies and then was like, I want to do that, but I want to do it in England. And like Snatch is basically a Tarantino film. But set in London, it's got all the crazy plot twists, the violence, the swearing, respected actors, up-and-coming actors. So I think for some reason we kind of lost track of that. And, you know, there was a big American influence on the British cinema. And we had a big boom in the late 90s, early 2000s, where we got loads of great directors. Edgar Wright started making movies. Lynn Ramsey, Andrea Arnold. You know, we had a lot of directors you know, and women directors as well coming in, making films that were great. And then for some reason we've stopped doing that and we're not really funding new talent the way we should. So yeah, everyone's going to America to sort of make films because really the only things that get shown are American films, really, or big budget films, unless you're making a Bond film or a Harry Potter film, it's not going to get funded, unfortunately. You know, even Guy Ritchie had to sort of step back for a bit, do Sherlock Holmes, do Aladdin before he could sort of make some more crime movies.
0: Yeah, that's what I kind of appreciate with um like like you were saying, is that often there'll be those directors and that talent that we have from this country and they'll show the different like aspects and, and sometimes British film can go into like the very like generic or like stereotypical stuff, especially with like, you know, posh English people or as we were saying, you know, with the typical view of London before. um, Definitely for us, you know, like Dream Horse, you know, that's very much playing up the kind of the valleys people and very much bigging that up. But as you guys were saying, you know, there's, it, you know, Twin Town is often just regarded as, like, the only, like, Welsh film that sort of, like, maybe depicts, like, actual, like, gritty, real Welsh people. Which I think is, like, unfortunate because there are so many different parts of, like, Cardiff or Swansea, etc., which could probably show that different aspect. Um, but, you know, one that springs to my mind as well is uh, Grinda Chada who did it Like Beckham, which, you know, is in some ways generic film, but it's obviously like shining the light on another part of Britain. And, you know, we really enjoyed uh, Blinded by the Light, which, again, you know, is quite sort of conventional in a lot of ways. You know, a typical sort of feel-good film, which a lot of the British stuff does, you know, all your kind of... Um, what was that one that came out about the choir and stuff like that, you, you know, like last year? It was like the It's all of that kind of like cheesy kind of stuff. So... Some of those kind of films can like lapse into that, but I felt there's something like Blinded by the Light. You're still shining a light on a different part of Britain at a different era and sort of like, you know, celebrating that in a lot of ways.
2: Yeah. All our best films are generally when we're uh, saying how awful Thatcher was. (laughs) I've found if you look at like, you know, Full Monty, Pride, it's all films where people are like, the 80s were terrible. We really had someone awful. So maybe we just need more people to make films about that. (laughs) Yeah. Apart from Iron Lady.
1: (laughs) I mean, it's either that or just wait about 50 years and we get to a situation where, say, everyone's just making the same quality uh, British uh, cinema, just talking about how bad Boris Johnson is. We just need to wait for that next generation for everyone to sort of recover
2: from the trauma. Those will be my films about kids growing up in the shadow of Johnson.
0: (laughs) Might be definitely a lot of, like, comedies in there, just sort of, like, poking fun, you know, kind of (laughs) Adam McKay style, maybe. Great sort of points brought up there, guys, and yeah, like you said, definitely like elements that we'll be bringing up in today's uh, main discussion, which we'll go on to now, which is talking about as we mentioned uh, the 2000 film Snatch, uh, which is uh, directed, as we said, by Guy Ritchie, also written by Guy Ritchie. Uh, there's too many like great actors like mentioned <laughs> in this, but just top billion I guess, would be Jason Statham as Turkish. You got Brad Pitt uh stephen graham vinnie jones and then just yeah a whole slew of great actors who appear which uh, have appeared in a lot of other guy ritchie stuff a lot of other gangster sort films you also got like uh, benicio del toro uh, dennis farina so loads of like appearances which you've seen from like similar types of films um, and this coming out in the 2000s, like I said, it was very much of that era. Released in 2000, and its uh, sort of synopsis is an unscrupulous boxing promoters, violent bookmakers, a Russian gangster, incompetent amateur robbers, and supposedly Jewish jewelers fight to track down a priceless stolen diamond.
3: Frankie
2: as a diamond the size of a fist. Eighty-six carats. Do you know something that I done. though? Jeez, it's flawless. Where? London. London. You know, fish, chips, of tea, Mary Poppins, London. What do I know about
3: diamonds?
2: I'm a boxing promoter. I've got a bare-knuckle fight. So I want to use the pike king. Special you Ah. You're going to have to repeat that. Special bachelor. Can't you what? <laughs> was a gun doing in your trousers? Protection. Protection from what? The Germans. Open <laughs> the case and give me the stone. The only man who knew the combination. You just shot I'm
1: getting heartburned. Tony, do something terrible.
2: Where is the stone? Heavy! Shut up and sit down, you big bald... So what should I fight? You? you can call me Susan if it makes you happy.
3: I don't care if it's Muhammad, Imad, Bruce
2: Lee. We're going down in the fourth round. Whoops! Anything to declare? Yeah, don't go to England.
0: Ah! Uh, status house frame furniture
3: and uh, scatter cushions with uh, matching checkered corners. Do you understand a single word? just ah!
0: <laughs> So, uh Reese, I'll go to you first because this is kind of one of uh, your favorites. As you said, you were very happy that this had been chosen. When we were talking about it, so. Uh, before we go into, like, you know, the details of the film, just generally, you know, why why do you love this film so much and why why is it stuck with you?
3: Yeah, I think it's just the amount of different interesting characters that are in the movie as a whole. I think every character is completely different, apart from the, the henchmen who are just huge geezers, <laughs> just there to protect um, the Bricktop. Everyone else is pretty much a unique character and again what we were talking about earlier it shines a different light on on different sides of london different people and um, you got the american that comes over that clearly hates british food and british weather like most of the americans do um and just overall everything about it i the music is is, is perfect like the, the way it switches um the, the music between different parts when it focuses on different characters um and brad pitt has uh mickey is a stroke of genius in casting um i know some people don't like his performance but that's just basically what um they are they it's not that's the way they speak it's not taken out of context at all and i think we'll get into it later on i believe with some of the trivia stuff but he just wanted to be in guy richie's movie couldn't do a london accent so he ended up doing the part that he ended up doing
0: yeah, if I, I would say to people, if they ever do want an example of that whole, like sometimes it's hard to understand Irish people, then I think there was that video from a few years ago from the Olympics when it was like two rowers, like they were Irish, and they were just like, how do you feel about the win? And like everyone was like, I have no idea what they just said. It was like, so
3: Yeah, it's, it's definitely um, Irish, Scottish, hmm. Scouse, it, it's, and even the, the Welsh. It, when you're talking with them and it's maybe yourself and them speaking, you can understand pretty much everything, when they start rambling to each other, it's kind of, I don't understand what is going on here at all. And I think that is definitely the case with Brad Pitt's character in the movie. Supposedly, the reason why that character was written that way is because a lot of people were moaning about you couldn't understand what the characters were saying in Lockstock, because obviously a lot of it is kind of Cockney, East London chat, and people didn't really understand what was being said. So that character was basically them taking the mickey out of that. And... The character's name is probably not called Mickey for that reason, but I'm going to pretend it is.
0: <laughs> yeah, like uh, people's like the, the characters in this film, I think they've said it almost like, you know, the viewers in the sense of that that film, they were reacting like, what is he saying? So, yeah, it's a it's a fun little <laughs> not there. So last week we talked about Sherlock Holmes. And so i see a big part of talking about that film is guy ritchie's got this huge legacy he's one of those named directors as we mentioned so i kind of kept this question in from last time because we asked our guest last time rob you know what's his opinion of guy ritchie films so paul uh, what is your experience and uh, opinion of guy ritchie films
2: yeah um, he is quite a mixed director for me when he's good he's very good and when he's bad he's almost unwatchable like like Lockstock's great, although you can kind of tell it's a first film. And then Snatch is, I mean, re- re-watching it for this, you do sort of go, this is this is very good. And then you get to like swept away and you're like, this is very bad. And I'm not so keen on Revolver. I don't particularly... Rock and is good. I like Rock and Roller. I like both Sherlock Holmes. I like Man from U.N.C.L.E you know so i like most of his films i like the gentleman i think the gentleman's pretty funny uh can't say I've seen, i haven't seen wrath of man but you know the king arthur film and aladdin are a bit weird it's a bit he's made some weird choices like sort of geezery you know giving a geezer stint to sherlock holmes kind of makes sense when you read the books where you're like oh he did loads of opium and was quite good at fighting you're like okay well, that makes sense then i get that and then him going, I'm going to do Aladdin. You're a bit like, well, you use good music, but you've never actually done a musical. And this is a studio that really sort of is a bit like, no, you do fit, you do stuff our way. Warner Brothers is kind of a bit like, eh, do what you want. We don't really care. But that was really, you know, Disney were a bit like, no, no, no. You follow the formula. So it kind of you know, made no sense. So it doesn't surprise me that he's kind of gone back to geezer films because that's where where he's at his best. Like, I saw The Gentleman, you know, I think that was one of the last films I saw before the lockdown. I just remember laughing the whole way through. So I just, I sort of think when he's on steady ground, he's really good, but he maybe isn't so good at venturing past that.
0: Yeah, especially because there's so much ambitious stuff even though a lot of it does mimic kind of like tarantino and stuff in snatch i think that you know you do see a lot of ideas and like artistic stuff like with the Brad Pitt when he saw like in the water and everything when he's in that fight do you think like well this could translate if you wanted to, to a kind of danny boyle and do more experimental bold kind of stuff but then like you said it's a bit unfortunate if he does the likes of you know aladdin etc because i think we were talking before paul wasn't it like his reasoning for doing that film was like oh you know i relate to aladdin or something like that there was his justification
2: he said said, aladdin is like a family-friendly chancer and he went all my films are about chancers and it's like i can see why i can see what you're saying because like even like you know even his king arthur like okay yeah he is kind of a chancer in that I get what you're saying, but at the same time, you know, the mythical land of the Middle East is not the East End of London.
1: (laughs) It's a very generous interpretation of that chancer. Uh, Rhys, what's your opinion on like the Guy Ritchie
0: stuff, especially like when you're talking about things like Snatch and Rock and Roller and The Gentleman?
3: I agree with Paul pretty much on... I I didn't even watch that Aladdin. I seen The Trader and I was like, no chance am I watching that.
0: Uh, I'm glad somebody else is moving. People are like, oh, give it a chance. I'm like, no, I love that film, the original, so much. I just can't taint it, kind of thing.
3: Paul was talking earlier about being a fan of musical and hating La La Land and the way Oscars affect you watching stuff. I despise musicals, but I love La La Land. And the only reason I watched that film is because it won a load of Oscars. But Aladdin, uh, I, I... I don't have time to be watching that. I normally have so much stuff going on that watching, no, watching remakes of animated movies where why Guy Ritchie is ever directing that movie out of all the directors that could have been chosen is completely beyond me. When he's working um, in London movies, Ralph Man I thought was fairly decent. That's not obviously a London setting, but it's it's very similar characters, even though it's set in. Um, a different country when he's focusing on male characters especially around the same age he is he seems to have an understanding of them but all the other ones not been a not been a fan of at all Um, but yeah Lockstock I really enjoyed which was the first film I watched of his Um, Rock and Roller I think there's some good characters in there I think Tom Hardy's fantastic in it Um, and the Sherlock Holmes movies I enjoyed both of those to be honest some slightly annoyed we haven't got a third one yet i definitely think he needs to stick to doing what he's doing the gentleman I, I enjoyed it i do think he's getting a bit on and he didn't seem to understand the nuances of a lot of the younger characters the boxers all wearing the same track suit is just i i would never you'd never see that i don't really understand what that whole thing was about but he's definitely better when he's focusing on kind of the stuff that he knows about
0: well um so talking about snatch then so i guess at the top craig you said that you need need the appeal uh, oh why'd you start with me for god's sake you uh, have people talking about (laughs) things that
1: like which aren't snatch for ages and go right let's start with the dickhead in the corner (laughs) who might like trying to ruin our fun
0: elephant in the room why does craig now like no don't call me fat you (laughs) dick So I'm thinking rather than sort of re-simple explaining why they love this film so much and then
1: sort of convincing you as well why you should love it, combine the two, isn't it? <laughs> so, I mean, I want to preface this highly with, by the end, I mean, I sort of had this m- mindset towards the middle of the film about there's so much that there's so much characters so there's so much plot they're trying to explore. And I think because of, you know, the premise, I was waiting for things to sort of interacts like more directly. And I think we basically, once we got to that uh, towards the end, I thought actually once we actually had the plots overlapping, it became very strong. For me, that I wanted to see more of that sort of happen earlier on. Otherwise otherwise I was just following a bunch of characters and I was at times I was just left unsure exactly why I was meant to be following them in certain situations. For example, so much time is dedicated to the the boxing plot early on. That when I obviously saw the initial like the initial heist of the diamond, I thought, "How is this ever going to come into play? This seems so divorced from everything." And even though like I I didn't en- I enjoyed the performances definitely, I think some of the character some of the character work for me at times probably went. I I don't want to say too stereotypical. If anything, it's anti stereotypical. They were just saying they were saying things that at times that, and I don't know whether this is just me not being a Londoner, me not being part of like. A gangster scene, because obviously I'm not a gangster. Listen to me, for Christ's sake. But, I just wasn't sure if some of the things that they were saying were things that would actually be said by gangsters, because some of them just... Some of the things they were saying just felt like poetry. And I was just like, these things are really, really smart and witty and clever, but, like, would you... Ever actually see gangsters saying these things? I don't know. Are you saying that only gangsters can enjoy this film or understand it? You have to be in a gang. No, no. So. Like I'm just talking about me personally, right? Yeah. Like I think if other other people can see it from different backgrounds, I think that's fine. But obviously, I'm just I'm basically just describing the sort of barriers that I sort of had towards it. Like I said, once I actually got to the end of the film, I was I was more convinced. It was it's obviously not a dud. I'm not going to stand up and say that it's a bad film. It's definitely not a bad film. Is it a film that I? personally see as like like all-time great i'm i'm unsure like i said i think the elements are definitely there but i think there are definitely chaotic elements that sort of put me off at times like i remember an editing choice at the beginning where you just have what felt like somebody you know just did part of the video uh, of the film editing on like windows movie Make, and you just had the random screen sort of turning mm. I, I was like what the hell is this um but yeah i agree with david i think choices like the the visualization of the water and the fight i thought was a really effective touch it just felt like there needed to be more things like that in order for me to see it as like a fully consistent film but again that's just me i don't
0: (laughs) well uh yeah and i but i think that's why we were talking as well about like you know personal preference and stuff as well is that like said you know whether people sort of enjoy these types of things I, I i think i saw a review on imdb which somebody said like oh you know this is a great fantastic film but it's you know not for everyone in the sense of if they don't enjoy violence or obviously it's not for kids and which i was kind of like well you could say that about any kind of film you know which isn't a 12 but um but i think it is you know it does come down to your preferences as we were saying with things like horror or musicals you know whether you enjoy those types of stories um, which I think, you know, something like this can border on because in a way it's kind of hustleish. ish Yeah. Way. That's,
1: that's why I was a bit surprised. Cause I love gen like anything that evolves a heist, I generally type, uh, I generally tend to love. Um, I don't know why I'm just fascinated with sort of like heist hustle culture. Yeah. there were just, like I said, I think there were just too many, too many elements for me to, to like fully clearly decide what I'd say is I probably think this is a film that on second watch, I would probably appreciate a lot more because I can see what it's basically building up to, which means I can actually just enjoy the moment more as opposed to trying to think about what it's actually trying to build up to. Mainly, I'm just trying to preface myself because David has put me in (laughs) the position where I've now got you guys potentially going, right, everything you said is wrong. (laughs) And just thinking me personally being like some absolute torrent in (laughs) terms of you know film criticism i think i've just personally heard the music in the film too much in other places mm-hmm. so i'm just oversaturated so it's probably just i've seen this film at the wrong time because this I- was my first time watching this film this morning i should also preface mm. i think i think
0: that timeliness is a bit a big aspect i don't know if it's the same for you guys so like with the editing and just the style and look of the film it's so of that era i don't yeah, know if you guys
3: yeah definitely uh, if the fact you've just watched it for the first time today probably makes a little bit more sense why you kind of are not fully on board with it i think i've watched the film in double digit amount of times and for me it's knowing exactly what i'm seeing and waiting for the the punch lines and the different things that are going to happen but i've had an infatuation with the movie for 15 years so it's it's not something which if i watch today would i maybe have the same infatuation with it that i do i, I don't know it, it's a hard one to judge without knowing um because i'm not in that situation i agree with some of the the characterization things they are a bit ott but i think they're on purpose ott there's not going to be that many people that are going to be speaking like that and, and getting away with it especially when they're dealing with them kind of people um so there's definitely that kind of thing on it um but in regards to the characters and stuff maybe it's a a london thing as well that may have an effect on it just knowing these characters and seeing similar types of people around i know that there's a few americans that like the movie but they're not as hot on it as as the english are that's for sure so there's definitely is a, a cultural thing that comes with it as well
0: as well in terms of like the the sort of appeal like to me as well it does seem very much like they know what they're in similar to like heist films in the sense of like a lot of the kind of rule book gets thrown out the window in the sense of like this is the type of story you're doing and this is the type of editing style so as soon as you go in it's very much you know the names below them freezing on them showing them the different like crazy stuff you're doing so again it's such a like bold like narrative and style choice that again that's why like other stuff it's just if you're not on board with that or if you're going in expecting something else like oh where's like all the the setup of character where is this guy started from who's this man why is he doing it you're not going to get that in this because it's jumping straight into the story and it's just telling this kind of like elaborate sort of like crime film you know you don't have time for sort of like knowing where he comes from where he lives and and, and that kind of stuff
2: yeah i mean for, for me, I came, I came to the, the film in a kind of weird way because I knew, you know, like the stuff about like Bricktop and things like that from, you know, sort of like YouTube videos and memes and things like that before I'd ever seen the film. And then watching the film, I was almost like, that's kind of the least interesting part of the film is is uh, is the Bricktop stuff. The, you know, the stuff with Jason Statham is actually really good and sort of the way that it kind of all circles in, I I do find quite entertaining. I do think that it's a very sort of men-only film and it was kind of of the time when that was sort of you could market a film that way you can't really I can't imagine you could market it that way anymore (laughs) you know, so it it is kind of of its time, but I still think that it, it's sort of not, you know. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff from you know sort of the early two thousands. There's quite overtly sexist, quite overtly racist, quite overtly xenophobic, and this isn't that much. Like the black characters are incompetent, but they're just incompetent because they're incompetent. They're not incompetent because they're black. You know the travelers are you know kind of crafty but they're crafty because people expect them to be stupid so in a way they kind of subvert it in that you know they they know that people will underestimate them because they're travelers and they kind of subvert that expectation so I think that it's a bit more progressive than you know of of the time it would allow for you know sort of cheap jokes about the traveling community which you know I I re this I think it was the day that, you know, the controversy about Jimmy Carr's Holocaust joke happened.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we literally talked about it uh, before this recording. I was not going to bring up those comparisons. <laughs> yeah,
2: But I'm glad somebody else thought about yeah, that, it. And that was the thing, was that watching the film and then thinking, all right, so this is from like 2000. So we're now 22 years later. Uh, I was a bit like, hmm, you know, maybe maybe people criticising Jimmy Carr, you know, are on the right side. Well, I mean, they are on the right side of history because it's offensive. But it was that kind of thing of like, if people still think this is acceptable, then really Guy Ritchie's doing something quite subversive by going, actually, you guys underestimate these travellers. They're quite clever people, and I still I still think that that you know the scene where you see the the caravan on fire is quite a horrible moment. In a film that's quite lighthearted, that's really quite horrible to watch, mm. considering you see people fed to pigs and you're like, I don't really care about that. But yeah, just one one scene of a caravan on fire has you kind of, you know, sort of reaching for the bucket almost.
0: Yeah, I thought that when I first saw it. I was like, wow, this film just took a turn because there's, again, like villains doing like evil things in films, which are like, this is why they're bad. But at first I was quite like, I didn't know what to think about it because I was like, oh, wow, this really, that is like, evil you know like and i don't know if this is just too much of a a a twist but then they sort of didn't like linger on it too much but it it worked again in the in the end of the film because it was like that was his motivation etc but yeah just the moment they said like you know while she was still sleeping because when i first saw it i was like oh they torched their caravan that jason them. i thought it was their caravan which was weird because they wouldn't care about it because they wanted to replace it anyway but uh but yeah, so I was similar to you, Paul, like in sort of like revisiting it from like having seen a lot of it and sort of seen it at a younger age, et cetera. There was a lot then that I was sort of exposed to, which I was like, oh, right. Yeah, I forgot about this, et cetera. And I think for me, it also helped to like at the beginning, like I always forget like how much of a producing career that Matthew Vaughn had before he started directing. So as soon as I see his name, like I was kind of like more like, oh, you know, I love Matthew Vaughn and, and it does make sense that kind of like Matthew Vaughn, Guy Ritchie style. But yeah, I think also, like, the visuals for me is what, you know, even though we said there's some weird, like, editing choices, again, it's something about that 2000 zero, which has that kind of, like, I, I love that, like, Richie has gone for this kind of, like, darker tone to the film. It looks, like, sort of, like, very realistic. Uh, the sort of framing of it, which works really well at the beginning when you kind of have the characters, like, the American guy, sort of sat at his desk. Um, just the way, and sort of the way that you follow characters... Um, I think works really well, and again, that's something which will come up in, into the trivia later. But the way that they saw like frame certain characters, I think Vinny Jones's character, they do that really well when he saw like dragging that guy along <laughs> with the car. It's just I think a lot of stuff is like framed really well. So even though you get those kind of like gimmicky moments, um, I think towards the start of the film, I can't remember the exact context of it, but it's like when one of the characters is explaining something, I think it's when it's like the split screen of the phone conversation I was like, this is very like cheesy and over the top but again, I just kind of appreciated the sort of, the sort of style and the, the craft that was taken to it.
3: I don't mind the editing, to be fair I, I thought some of the transitions and stuff were pretty good, I think it was that movie throughout, it it kind of kept if it had only done that for the first 5-10 minutes and then just would have went into normal editing with no funky transitions or, or different stuff then by all means it would have probably been a bit more annoying for me um it was very edgar wrightish in in the editing on parts and he probably got some inspiration from that edgar wright i'd assume uh, when he was shooting spaced and everything like that but
0: yeah and i think it just feels like very grassroots as well in some ways not done in a badly done way i just felt that like because it was kind of like shot on a certain type of camera it has that 2000s look but again they're not sort of like trying to be overly ambitious they know their sort of limits and you still got that sort of gritty realism to it so i kind of just enjoyed the sort of style of the film and the way that it was shot you see why richie is such a accomplished director in in that way
3: yeah there's a a youtube video where they're, they're talking about the making of it and even though it's a, a fairly polished movie there was a lot of stuff that went into just even getting the movie made and um, Lockstock was a, a pain in the ass for them to to get off the ground and snatch was kind of no different. Um, if you go onto YouTube and watch that video, it kind of explains of the, the process they went through and with, with Matthew Vaughan as the producer, just trying to get a lot of these actors and, and trying to get people to play certain roles that they didn't end up playing in the end. Um, I thought the, the casting was fairly spot on, but a lot of the people that they were interested in playing the roles just didn't want to do it at all. I think Sean Connery was once... Um, approach to do one of the roles, and it, he was just like, "No chance, you you can't afford me."
0: And what do you guys think with like the casting? Because as we said, we've talked a lot about like Richie's style and the sort of like more dramatic moments in the film. But obviously, a big part of it is the comedy. Again, like talking last episode, uh, our guest Rob was talking about how quotable the film is before we even knew that we were talking about Snatch uh, this week. And you mentioned reese about how quotable it is, and and you know the comedy elements. And I think that definitely does you know stand out and just you know the casting in general the fact that i was just like is that frank from eastenders and i like looked it up i was like it is frank from eastenders so the guy who plays doug
2: the casting is is so bizarre like it's so weird to me because i can't think of any other film where you have you know like the you know the biggest movie star of the time like brad pitt was the you know, he was like the biggest movie star in the world. he are just been in Fight Club as well.
0: I think he was worried about there being too many similarities with the boxing.
2: Yeah. And so he's in a supporting role, looking like he's not showered. And then you have, you know, sort of respected American actors who've worked with Scorsese, like Dennis Fariner, you know, as Cousin Avi. And then you've got sort of the most British television actor in the world in... Uh, uh, in um, Stephen, Graham. Um, I forgot his surname. Stephen Graham. Stephen Graham. Um, also, what accent is he doing? Mm. Because it's half Mancunian, half London. Usually in the same sentence, but it, and you know, and then yeah, Frank from EastEnders, <laughs> and then you know, recently Academy Award-winning Benicio del Toro. It's so sort of random in its casting that you kind of because it's so sort of weird. I don't think you couldn't, you probably couldn't do that kind of casting now. I don't think you could get, I don't know who the biggest A-lister on, there's too many A-listers, I think, but you couldn't get, you know, Ryan Reynolds, Dwayne Johnson would never do, you know, the Mickey role. I don't think you could, you know, convince someone like that to do that these days. It sort of only comes from a time when, you know, new up-and-coming directors kind of had the sway to sort of get A-listers to go, I want to do your film regardless of how big the role is, you know? And again, it's a bit like Tarantino, where Tarantino was able to get classic movie stars and -and up-and-comers and kind of cult figures all in the same film. And, you know, Kill Bill sort of follows a similar trajectory where you're like oh that's a that's an actual like a-lister and that's a guy from a tv show that stopped airing 30 years ago
1: probably my favorite moment of the film is just the direct moment where all the storylines interact uh with the car crashes Mm. and just how nonchalant they are just like oh sorry
3: (laughs) just moving on most of my favourite moments are the same. It's when they're interacting in their pairs. Obviously, they've got the the three who go into the um, the bookies and try to rob the bookies. When they're sitting in the car and they're trying to reverse the car, <laughs> that, that's my that's uh, that's one of my favourite moments. And when they're both speaking about buying the caravan and, and the gun and stuff, they seem to be the best the best moments in the um, in the movie. When they kind of cross paths a bit, I agree. It can probably get a little bit messy at times. But when people are focusing on their own little section, that's when the most parts of comedy come from. And I just wanted to say about the the, the casting, uh, you look at it now, it's probably insane looking at the cast because of the way the trajectory had gone of everyone's careers. Um, At the time, it probably wasn't as extreme, but some of these people don't act anymore. You had Vinnie Jones, who was a a footballer for Leicester. It's just insane uh, the way you can get so many different people into a movie. And um, yeah, you wouldn't get someone like Leonardo DiCaprio playing Mickey in in a an a English director's second movie, and considering the first movie he made was another English gangster movie, which sounded like fifty percent of people didn't even know what was what was being said.
0: Yeah, I think um, it's, it's funny as well to like say char- like characters or actors like Vinnie Jones, and because I think with Jason Statham as well, like for for me, he's been you know sometimes I have a lot of issues with char- uh, actors like Dwayne The Rock Johnson or Mark Wahlberg in which they just play the same person all the time and they're not even characters they're just like themselves and I find that Jason Statham has become this kind of like I am just Jason Statham um and very much doing a kind of Liam Neeson of like he's just in some generic film in which he's just got a gun or he's in a car or something like that so when I was like re-watching this I was like why can't why can't he actually play like characters like this again in which like i enjoyed him more as the kind of like naive sort like charmer sort of character rather than like i'm the like brutal you know cool guy that he plays in fast and the furious and stuff like that i was like i prefer him as this kind of character more the like relatable hero who is you know the one who's in danger from the villains not the kind of guy who's just like the brawler who can get everything done and is perfect
3: yeah it's weird it's strange how some of these actors just seem to stop playing the Morphing into the same role, uh, Dwayne Johnson's like that at the moment. Uh, every movie I see puts on exactly the same performance, um, and they just fall into a, a routine of playing the same person. And it maybe it's maybe their characters are not that similar. Maybe it's just it's starting to seem that way for me. Like Liam Neeson after Taken, it seemed like every single movie he made was was exactly the same. And they need to kind of deviate from from that. Maybe do something completely left field. Um, maybe put Jason Statham in a horror movie and that might completely change the aspect of of what he's doing. But until they kind of change up the genre or at least the the type of character, because they're all playing masculine characters all the time, they're they're in good shape, they're they're pretty good looking and it normally seems to make sure they're playing them them, them same roles all the time, which they need to take chances and try and work with different directors who they haven't worked with before. But those roles pay their money and are they that concerned with making Oscar award-winning movies or that they just want to make 20 million pounds for six weeks' work.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and it is, it's, regardless, I think even like Paul said, it's uh, even at the time probably is jarring, but it's still jarring to see Brad Pitt as, as well as he does the accent and stuff. It is kind of strange to to sort of see him there. But again, like, from Guy Ritchie's point of view, how can you not, like, have him in there and find, like, a, a role for him? That's one of my favorite moments is when he's in the corner and Vinnie Jones just has to keep shooting him because he's like, oh, really? You know, you're not dying? That 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 bit's great.
3: Yeah, that's a great scene. Boris the bullet dodger, as that's they call it. him. It makes sense. There's another little Chekhov's gun at the beginning. <laughs> you knew that was coming. He just... That guy just wouldn't die, would he?
2: Vinnie Jones is such a weird one as well because, yeah, he's he's never sort of fallen into the, the Statham, Vin Diesel, Dwayne Johnson trap, which is that you, you know, you become a brand, not an actor. And so you kind of have to play that role. You kind of have to, I'm the good guy, you know, I'm not overtly mean or I'm not overtly whatever, but Vinnie Jones just kind of bounces around doing whatever he fancies. And I I, I respect a guy who goes, you want me to be an X-Men 3? All right, I'll be an X-Men 3. Yeah, put me in the silly the silly costume that makes me look like a turtle. You want me to be in She's the Man? Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll do She's the Man. I'll do Amanda Bynes comedy. You want me to be in Midnight Meat Train, a horror film? Yeah, I'll do that. You want me to do Celebrity X Factor? I'll do that. Uh, I
0: forgot he did that.
2: <laughs> he's kind of... I kind of respect the fact that he's just a bit like, ah, what are you going to do? May as well have some fun. <laughs> like, he... I think you could, if you paid him the right amount, you could probably get him in any film you fancied. So I quite I quite respect that about him. The man is a living meme. He like he's there's no the other British, way to describe it.
0: He's the British Nicolas Cage. <laughs> I'm not going that far. <laughs> He'll appear in anything, sort of thing. Oh God, can I na- jones
2: and Nicolas Cage in a film? I know, I want that now. now.
0: I just want that.
2: <laughs> that version of face off would be insane.
0: <laughs> but I did appreciate and again, this kind of comes into the quotes aspect, which I think is worth talking about, but and again, you know, like language and everything. But the fact that when those, <laughs> there's the scene in the pub before the whole shooting thing and he's just like, F off. And there's just like, there's only so many, act, you know, actors that could pull that off. And Vinnie Joes is definitely one of them, which just, you know, pulls that off of just being like, yep, you would like perfectly,
1: you know, back away from that situation. But I just loved him pointing out the, so the fact that you have replica written on the side of your gun, yeah. where I have Desert
0: Eagle <laughs> 0.5. the one that one of my favorites, and I, yeah, I guess this comes down to the quote in aspect as well. Is definitely Alan Ford who plays Brick Top, which I'm guessing is going to come into a lot of like people's favorite quotes, um, just because again, it's just the style of the character, like the the glasses and everything like that. They're so like thick framed, and um, you know, like lenses. You know, they definitely again, that's one of those characters where it doesn't maybe work so much with other characters. They knew where they were going for. It's very like goofy and silly at times, but you've just got to enjoy it and love it just because of the the material that's coming coming out. So, you know, one of his first ones I really enjoyed, which again won't say fully, but like he was like, You're yeah, a ruthless little feed him to the pigs you know it's just that that bluntness and just that kind of like the way he reads people and and sort of acknowledges them like when jason statham sort of backs onto him i love the realism of that kind of like just the way he's like awkwardly stood behind him even though people probably haven't been in a situation in which somebody would like feed you to pigs like that i think everyone's been in that situation in which there's like a weird old guy there and he just suddenly appears out of nowhere and you back oh sorry you know and he's just like i've just polished those shoes and you're like are they genuinely going to have a go at me right now? You know, I, I did love that, that aspect of the character. And he does hear the boxing thing as well, isn't it? When that guy comes up to him, he's just like, don't, what's he say? Like, don't uh, break up my like walk again or something like that.
2: You know, what? my all my favorite quotes are with uh, Frank, Frank from EastEnders, uh, Doug the head, just when he, uh, <laughs> when he goes to talk to his twin, his twin daughters, and he's like, I want to see you in my office. We know Dad. Yeah, I've just been on the phone to cousin Navi. We know Dad. <laughs> I was fine. His character I find really funny. Mainly because I have known a lot of people that talk and look like Doug the Head. So he reminds me of like lots of uncles, lots of grandfathers. So he, him him walking up to all the young Jewish kids. It's a free country, but it's not a free shop. <laughs> I was thinking of that one as well. Yeah, that that's that's great. It's just even his ringtone being being uh, the bar mitzvah song, even though he's not Jewish. Yeah, there's
0: just so many great moments in this, and I think for me, with the story, like Craig was saying earlier about like the way it ties together. But I guess I saw it as more like a kind of like anthology thing. I think the way you, I was a bit confused, like, oh, how is this going to connect together? But I think there's just an element of like, oh, okay, everyone's got their separate crazy stuff going on. But then once it started to cross over, I was really enjoying it. But I think it still works because there's still a main thread throughout it. But I think it just works so well at the end when you get to, to sort of Doug. And then it's just like, you know, have you got somebody who's interested in this? Like, yes, I, can, you know, do. And the way that the technical editing has worked up to that point of showing the American guy doing the shot. Uh, again, t- you know, a timely thing. Concord is like taking off. But uh, so as soon as you see that again, you're like, instantly brought back to that moment so you're like oh yeah of course so yeah I, I just thought it rounded it off so well in that sense and of course the whole you know meant you know what we've mentioned about sort of the two nits on his head in the t- sense of you know like brad pitt's character and all of them sort of getting revenge for what happened i think it, it it does really pay off quite effectively in a film that's just fun a, a fun adventure up until then still anyway So uh, we'll now go to VHS Corner, which is uh, where we talk about some fun facts uh, from the film, which tie into some of our discussions and sort of we'll talk about, you know, tie into the history as well, as we've mentioned with sort of famous stories and famous casting uh, reasons. So uh, the the dog is definitely one that sort of I noted down uh, for this. So, and it's funny as well with the the scenes that take place during the film to imagine this as the case. So uh, some ones I've jotted down from, uh, from Snatch is the... Uh, according to the DVD commentary, Bo the dog was very difficult to work with, and during the car scene with Vincent, Saul, and Tyrone, the dog was actually attacking Lenny James, and James was actually bitten in the crotch by the dog, but didn't suffer any serious injury. So the dog was replaced after that incident. But yeah, no, seeing those car scenes and like them, like him going around the entire room being like, oh, he better not be doing stuff on my seats and all that kind of stuff. The fact he is, like, biting people throughout there, I'm like, that makes total sense. It's just even funnier to think of that scene now in which, like, he was getting bitten the hell out of by this dog. Yeah,
3: what do you mean, your seats It's a stolen car. Yeah.
0: <laughs> One that I saw jotted down, which um I really enjoy, for, again, it goes into the joke I said with Vinnie Jones, but it kind of... It, we were saying as well, Paul, with the, the fire scene... It's, it's interesting you're like oh right yeah of course but it, it kind of gives the film its charm um, and takes away from the stereotypes I suppose of these kind of like gangster and you know like crime films is that nearly every death in the movie takes place off screen uh, which I think is quite true because you know anything which is like gunshot or anything like that especially again with Vinny Jones's character spoiler warning but the fact that the American guy is just like He's like, "Oh, you okay, mate? Oh, okay." And you just don't see him. You just, you're just there, mate, to connect, connect the dots of what's
2: happened. I think as well that sort of plays into maybe you know he's like, like we've said several times. There's a lot of bad language in the film. There's a lot of violence, so I think it sort of plays into that almost cartoony aspect. If you, in a way, if you don't see them die, it's kind of not real. It's like. You know, it's that kind. It's almost again. It's a bit like that Tarantino thing where it's like you swear all you want, blood spurts everywhere, everyone gets hurt, but there's no pain, even though people are screaming in agony. There's no sort of. It's not like you feel it, and you know, it might it might just be because he was like, if if we have people dying on screen, then we're never going to get this film released. Whereas if they die off screen, then we can imply that they, you know, they can't say it's too violent. But it's it also just sort of fits that that idea of no one knows what's going on until it's already happened sort of thing.
1: To be fair, I did have to rewind a I, uh, a part of the film. It's where is it is it the is it Freddie the guy who's basically in the uh, has basically is just shot uh, in the head after you know having been the head in the bag.
3: Frankie Fourfingers. Yeah,
1: Frank. Yeah. Uh, Frankie Fourfingers, That's it. Uh, yeah, I had to rewind it just to, to double check who had died because obviously I wasn't. I wasn't sure which way the gun was pointing so I so yeah that's a fair point yeah I
0: think yeah it, it keeps you guessing but like I said it, it also helps with the comedy aspect it wouldn't be all that funny unless you're going down a Deadpool route of like oh look at this guy getting chopped in half and stuff it, it isn't that funny to see people die but it it gives it like a level of ambiguity and like almost realism in the sense of like I'll oh, just hide that away it kind of goes into the body bag aspect of you know when they're zipping people up it's just like it ties in with that just like oh you know it's hush hush and it's not talk about that you don't see it kind of thing which i think makes sense um we we're talking about the representations of the characters as well in terms of like Saul, vincent tyrone um and you were saying paul about you know whether it, it was you know a, a good choice in terms of like representation of like black characters but also something that adds into like you know them being incompetent and not based on like The color of their skin is apparently as well. Uh, Every mistake that those characters make in the film uh, was inspired by various late night TV shows about real life crimes going horribly wrong. And I can believe that because you do see a lot of those kind of like you know shooting through something or the cool like you know falling down a hatch by accident that kind of stuff. So that to me made a lot of sense. Um, and then also we talk about uh, Bricktop. This one I just thought again just a great piece of trivia for what the person is like outside and we're talking about dog fighting etc. So uh, Bricktop is seen to be involved in dog fighting at one point torturing a dog, but in real life, Alan Ford is a vegetarian and animal rights activist. So we're saying about like people like Dwayne The Rock Johnson being like similar, you know, playing their characters and outside. But yeah, you couldn't get more opposite than that, I don't think. So uh, that, that one uh, stood out to me. And then uh, the last one I saw jotted down was um, when Mickey wins uh, a new trailer van for his mother, from Turkish, he specifically picks out periwinkle blue as the colour. So in Psycho, the Hitchcock 1960 film, we're told that Norman Bates helped to pick out a periwinkle blue dress for his dead mother. Mickey, just like Norman, is also responsible albeit indirectly in this film, for his own mother's death. So just quite a fun little classic movie reference. Don't know, I suppose that's a very specific thing to put in there if it was unintentional, but if it was unintentional, it was quite fun. But um, but if it was, then uh, touche to, to Guy Ritchie for throwing throwing that in there. But talking about, like I said, like legacy and things, you know, like people remember, so the last part now of this discussion about uh, the film Snatch is uh, we go to our movie vault um, where we sort of honor movies for all time to be remembered for different reasons. Uh, So our big question now is, does Snatch uh, deserve to be remembered in the movie vault and go in? Uh, What do you guys think? Paul, what's, what's your reaction?
2: I would say yes, just because, you know, it's an influential film. And sometimes with influential films, you're like, oh, it's so important to like cinema. And you're like, yeah, but it's not good, though. It's just important, but it is, I still think it is a good film. And I think it has aged surprisingly well, considering the elements in it that could potentially not age well, especially like we said, with the traveler community, you know, there's a lot of it that could not have aged well. And there's a lot of sort of geezer films from that era that haven't aged well because they were so entrenched in Kind of casual racism, casual homophobia, casual misogyny, and this this one doesn't really have that so much. There's kind of not an innocence, but there is kind of a, a joy to it where it's like, yeah, everyone can everyone can be a crook, and everyone can be you know terrible at it, and everyone can get attacked by the dog. Why not? You know, it doesn't matter what what color you are, what country you come from. Everyone can be a gangster, and we'll all end up having a bad time anyway. So I, th- I think it's I think it's aged better than you know people would expect, and certainly more than I expect. I expected it to have aged horribly, and it's actually
0: aged really well. Reese, I think I would know your answer on it, but but yeah, what what's your opinion?
3: Yeah, no, a hundred percent for me. I I love the film. It's 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 actually one of my favourite films, and I I understand why it wouldn't be for everyone. I even Pulp Fiction, my favourite movie of all time, I can fully understand why people would not like that film. I'm not going to sit here and say it's subjectively or ob- objectively the best movie of all time because that's a load of you-know-what because everyone has their own different opinions. For me, 100%. Even to this day, when I'm out of my friends drinking, um, snatch quotes come up. I think it's the most quotable movie of all time. I put out a tweet yesterday and and a lot of people disagree. People brought up a lot of different movies, Um, but I I definitely think it's the most quotable movie for sure in my circle of friends, of course. But um, talking about how it aged, I think it's aged fairly well. Again, I I don't know how it would, well, I kind of know how it would resonate if you watch it for the first time today, but um, it depends of of who's watching it and what their kind of tastes are and what they like and what they don't like. Um, And if I had the opportunity to wipe my mind and watch it again with my current frame of how i view films maybe i wouldn't like it as much maybe i'd like it more it's really hard to tell um because like i said i've seen it 15 years ago and i've seen it probably about 15 times so that's kind of where i'm at with it
0: yeah no i i think like I said i think regardless of your experiences with it as well is like testament with you know myself craig paul like even whether it's revisiting it or watching it for the first time, there's still that acknowledgement of like the, the legacy there and that kind of understanding of the influence and definitely getting, you know, the, the Guy Ritchie, you know, we've talked about his other films and it does seem to be the, you know, in many ways, it is his, you know, one of his best films. So for me, yeah, I think, you know, I'd want to see it go in just because, again, it, you know, it ties things together so well. It does like a crime story, a comedy story so well. And there's so many like, rem- you know, memorable characters in there um, and again, I do, you know, respect that element of like, you know, throwing people off in terms of like your expectations, not just about like stories, but certain types of characters, um, but also even in terms of the violence and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I, I'm all pro for it going in, Craig.
1: I mean, at this point, I am fairly convinced that it definitely deserves a place in the movie vault. Um, like I said, for me personally, I think it's just something that might, just have to grow with revisit, but I'm not going to deny everything that it, everything that it says about Guy Ritchie's career, everything that like this type of film, but also just this, this pinnacle of just casting across the board, just getting so many different types of people to work quite well together and sort of in sort of like that, that single genre where a lot of them would not have crossed otherwise. I think, yeah, definitely deserves that recognition. So yeah, put it in. Okay, cool. So, into the movie vault this week goes Snatch
0: from two thousand. Let us know at home. Do you agree? What films would you like to see go into the movie vault? Um, but we'll be discussing and choosing now what will potentially be discussed next episode as we go
1: into our end game. We're in the end game
2: now.
1: All right, end game time. So I said at the beginning of the episode, I didn't want people to mention the euphemism. So I think it's quite fitting that this game is called, we're talking about the euphemism. Basically, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have a series of film titles and I'm going to remove certain words from them, which might be quite suggestive uh, in many situations. And it's basically going to be fastest finger first, eh? Um, Basically as to who can tell me what the missing uh, missing word is first. Uh if you get it right, you get a point. If you don't, your opponent gets a point. So for this we'll be using sort of vocal buzzers. So what I want you to do is come up with your most euphemistic noise to begin with. Uh so Reese, any idea of what you want to use as your buzzer?
3: Maybe what WAP. Whop.
1: whop. Okay. I'll just do WAP. Yeah. Okay, cool. So Reese's buzzer is WAP. Uh Paul, what are you gonna do? Um ooh. Yeah, perfect. So we're going for the like uh Baudvillian sort of like ooh, like the ooh matron. Excellent. So before we get into the game, let's tell you, uh let's tell you what you're you're gonna be fighting for. So David and I are gonna give you the suggestions of the film uh films that we would like to suggest uh going for next week. We're not gonna tell you exactly what it is, just in case we wanna use it in future episodes if it doesn't win. You have a choice of either of those films or your own personal choice of what is discussed next week we'd like to have some form of connection to the discussion we've had this week so we'll start with
0: david uh so my suggestion is from 2017 um it is it's hard to like describe it without knowing exactly what i'm talking about but i just think when we're on this guy ritchie train we may as well talk about it because i know we have a certain guest who would absolutely <laughs> love to talk about this film and just yeah just let the chaos reign and uh it's it's a very controversial fantasy film <laughs> from a specific director. <laughs> so that is my my pick.
1: So for me, I want to get off the Guy Ritchie train because as much as I respect him, I think, you know, we need to talk about other things. However, I don't want to stray too far from the sort of uh, type of film that we've been discussing this week. So very, and specifically as well, this has a bit of a link to Jason Statham insofar as he is starred in... A remake of the film that I want to talk about from 1969. So if that gives you an idea of what I would like to suggest. But anyway, are we ready for this game? So like I said, this fa- uh, Fast is First. I will be using a list from IMDb called Movie Titles That Sound Dirty But Aren't. Are we ready? Yeah. Cool. So your first title, Dancing. No, Paul. Dirty. It is dirty. That is a point.
3: Two. Freddy got. Whop. Reese. He didn't get whopped. Fingered.
1: He did indeed get fingered. <laughs> Number three. Chitty chitty.
3: Whop. Bang bang.
1: Yep, it is indeed bang bang. Number four.
3: Octo. Whop. Pussy.
0: yes it is indeed do we bleep
1: that? (laughs) it's the name of a film it's the name of the film and also technically a cat yeah
3: (laughs) no bleeping on that one No.
1: number five Impact Deep yep Paul had that first and is indeed deep number six
3: Free Wop, Willy
1: it is indeed, Willy. Why was I thinking guy was yeah, dirty? Yes, so I was. I was in the
3: same boat. You're not alone. I, guy I came to my like, head as well. Guy and bird
1: aren't dirty birds. <laughs> yeah. It's quite a men in this perspective. Oh yeah, the word man is seen as quite a dirty thing these days. Next, black snake. Oh, uh, moan. It is indeed black snake moan. Next, big. Oh, daddy? It is indeed <laughs> confusing because there's a film called Big. So it's
0: like, wait, that is the
1: name of the Oh, film. it's going to get even more confusing. Next one, daddy. Oh, is home. I'll accept that. I was looking for Big uh, I was looking for Big, so just the other sort of version oh. of Big Daddy. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I like to play with people. Yeah, very much. So. Again, euphemistic. Uh next <laughs> Uh Harry Think back to an earlier word. Okay. Okay. <laughs> there's, Three, no, there's not even more words.
3: Two to it.
1: one that's a fail.
0: I was looking for
2: dirty. Oh jeez. Dirty Harry. <laughs> I'm thinking Harry something. I'm like Harry Potter in the Chamber of Secrets. I yeah. guess it's kind of dirty <laughs> sounding. Our
3: head is going to the same place, and all of the ones we can't get right—it's just insane.
1: I just think Potter apparently is just yeah. like a really bad term for somebody who just smokes marijuana. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, mean,
3: I was you know, thinking—is there—is Potter? Is there some kind of different? A bit of fire term, sounds maybe? like
2: a euphemism for you know, like uh, for a bong, I guess.
1: Yeah. <laughs> True. Okay, next up, fun with Aunt Jane. Ooh. A Paul? dick. It is indeed dick. <laughs> Next. Like Beckham. What? Reese? Bend it. It is indeed bend it. <laughs> and finally from this list, that aren't just word, one word films, we have fatat. <laughs> Ooh. Paul? Tit. It is indeed tit. <laughs> 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 and that is the end of that very... Weird ending. <laughs> so, David, reveal the final scores. Uh, so,
0: yeah, it would have been interesting if that last one because it was very close. But uh, it was Reese with five points, but Paul came through with seven. Congratulations. Congratulations! Well
2: done.
3: Congrats, Paul.
2: I know dirty things. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from Harry, apparently, <laughs> and, and and Free Willy. I still thinking Free Guy's not that dirty. Free Bird's not a film; it's a song.
0: <laughs> yeah that's not like your controversial view on that like SeaWorld <laughs> film is it you're like no I don't believe in this
1: he shouldn't be free
2: <laughs> <laughs> keep him locked up
1: <laughs> well so congratulations Paul so now obviously you have the choice of what what film will be discussed for the, for next week so it's a case of do you want to go with either of David or mine suggestions or do you have a suggestion yourself
2: Uh, I will go with uh with your your suggestion, Craig, I think. Oh! I I genuinely was not expecting
1: this. So, um first things first, do you have an inkling of what film I actually suggested?
2: No, that's that's why I picked yours, because I kinda I I kinda had an idea what David's was. Yeah, so mine. So basically where
1: I talk about uh Jason Safe and Mastard in a remake of this film. This is a very classic film, uh which is very much just a single heist. And I think it is well known for a couple of things. Uh, The performance of Michael Caine, the use of a load of Mini Cooper cars, and also the song, The Self-Preservation Society. So for next week's episode of Well Good Movies, we'll be discussing the Italian job. Great
0: choice, great choice. And a a very good link as well, I suppose, isn't it? In terms, like you said, talking about like, heist gangsters and head did go to italian job when we were talking about british cinema and everything like that and i like held back because it was of such a different era so probably just as well i didn't didn't mention that as well yeah Uh, so yeah happy with that choice then paul
2: yeah fantastic
0: (laughs) awesome well thank you guys for joining us so we look forward to talking about the italian job uh in our next episode so everyone at home if you want to sort of watch along uh, with us and sort of discuss as well and sort of give your take on whether it deserves to go into the movie vault and you want to prepare yourself for next episode then you know now you can go watch the italian job from 1969 uh, it is available on now tv if you uh, want to go and check it out on a streaming service or sky and of course it's one that you can sort of rent from places like apple or amazon or you can pick it up on physical uh if you know i know people like me and reese and paul would uh sort of put a thumbs up to that as well get the blu-ray <laughs> yeah we look forward to that one uh thank you both for joining us uh where can we catch you guys what have you got up and coming or anything uh that you sort of want to t- talk about send people to reese where can we catch you
3: yeah, so all my social media is uh, Rios Positive P O V R E O S, and that's Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, that's pretty much where you can find me on everything. Um, I'm mainly active on on Twitter, but also have uh, a couple of YouTube videos a month. Going to see Uncharted tomorrow. I don't expect much, but hopefully it's good enough for me to to make a video about.
1: Good enough to be positive, yeah. <laughs> and just to yeah. emphasise for our listeners at home, uh, some of whom are Welsh, uh, the spelling of Reese is not the Welsh spelling, which is the R H. It is.
3: It is R R-E-E-C-E, and I'm named after Carl Reese from The Terminator. Oh, wonderful! Yeah.
0: Another movie link, then. But yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yes, they just keep on coming
0: in. <laughs> don't mention the euphemism. <laughs> so uh yeah go check out uh, Reese's YouTube channel. Uh Paul, where can we catch yourself?
2: You can pretty much find me on Twitter Paul Klein Yo with two Os. You can find me on Letterboxd. I don't really review which is Paul Klein Yo with one O because I'm inconsistent. Uh you won't sort of find in-depth reviews on my Letterboxd. It's more pithy jokes and general observations and occasionally stating people I think are the worst people ever in the form of a review. Um so yeah, you pretty much and any work I do gets linked onto my Twitter. So yeah, I'll be in either of those places. I was named after Bono, so oh
0: yeah i'm not sure if there's yeah uh, i'm not like a well yeah i'm like kind of named after the patriot say of wales but you know it's not a famous
1: <laughs> tv film music person. So. i'm named after rocks i think you can like all just <laughs>
0: go check out um all of your writing as well uh paul like i mentioned you've recently ranked the michael bay <laughs> films that must be fun
3: i just need to know what you had at number
2: one the rock
0: it was interesting seeing where the Transformers films like came in there as well. I was just like, right, okay, which Transformers film is like the lowest?
2: <laughs> Revenge of the Fallen.
3: Yeah, I agree on that one.
2: It's it's like, it's Revenge, Age of Extinction, the third one, I can't remember its name.
0: Dark of the Moon. <laughs>
2: Dark of the Moon. The one with Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. The first one, because the first one's a legitimately good movie and the yes. other's are perp. And then, yeah, number one is The Rock. Number two is Armageddon because Armageddon's boss movie.
0: I suppose most people, yeah, would just be wondering if it was like Bad Boys. Is that where you were going? Bad Boys to? is
2: like number three, I think. Yeah.
3: So I'd have, I'd have Bad Boys at number one. But the Rock would be number two.
1: I didn't even realize Bad Boys was a Michael Bay film.
0: Yeah. Right. Well, uh, go check out uh, Paul's list. Uh, check out Reese's YouTube channel. And um, yeah, catch us on all of the socials. Uh, stay tuned for our next episode. We'll be talking about the Italian job. And if you want to also go back and see how we uh, came to talk about Snatch, then you can also uh, check out last uh, week's episode where we were talking about Sherlock Holmes. So uh, yeah, thanks to you once again, guys. And uh, we'll see you around. Thanks again to Reese and Paul. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 To keep up with the latest episodes of Well Good Movies, you can listen to us on all your usual podcast outlets, including Apple, Google, Spotify, YouTube and more. Don't forget to follow us, subscribe and rate us where you can to keep our podcast growing. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Well Good Movies to keep up with the latest news and highlights from all our episodes, as well as tell us what movies you want to be discussed in the future. And if all of that isn't enough, You can also find us at our website freshtakehub.com slash wellgoodmovies where you can catch all our episodes along with videos and articles deep diving into the worlds of film and television. So what are you waiting for? Go check out the film we'll be discussing in next time's
3: episode.